Welcome to Native Yoga Toddcast. My name is Todd McLaughlin, and I will be your host. If you would like to learn more about our upcoming live stream yoga classes, workshops, teacher trainings, and or our online yoga studio, please visit us at nativeyogacenter.com. Thank you. Sit back, relax, and we hope you enjoy this episode. Welcome, everybody. Today, I bring to you Jen Renee. Jen is an Ashtanga yoga teacher and practitioner. She resides out in San Diego, California currently. And I'm really excited to get a chance to introduce you guys. I had, a, I had the opportunity to meet and practice with Jen uh, at my teacher, Tim Miller Studio, a few years ago. And um, I encourage you to look at her website. It is jenrene.com. And the spelling on that is J-E-N-R-E-N-E.com. And also, I'm sure you're on Instagram. Check her out at Yoga. J-E-N-R-E-N-E-Y-O-G-A. Jen's got some awesome posts and she has a course coming up that is free for everyone, a five-day course that involves live streams. And so if you go to her website and um, check it out, there's a link here in the description on the podcast as well that will take you there. And man, she's an awesome practitioner and teacher. I think you got to check her out. All right, without any extra hesitation and or ado, let's bring Jen on the line. Jen, how are you doing? Hi, Todd. I'm well. Thank you so much for having me. Yes, it is a pleasure. Um, we had a chance to practice together quite a few years ago, and it's been a long time since we've been able to have a conversation. And uh, uh, just so our listeners are familiar, you're in Southern California. That's correct? I am. What, I'm in San Diego. You're in San Diego? Nice. And I know... Um, What's going on over there? Are you feeling the effects? Um, you know, every time I open up my news, the main article is the amount of fires that are happening on the West Coast between California and Washington. Are you feeling the effects of that? Yeah, the, the, a little bit. Not as badly as Northern California, but there's been smoke. And there are some fires. They may be contained now, but they're there was one um, really close by that burned for, I think, about a weekend. And, I mean, you could see the origin of the smoke from where I live. And wow. the sky's been really smoky. The sun looks different when it's smoky. Like, it, like you can stare directly at the sun in the middle of the day if you want to. It's a very orange coral color. Yeah. Of, um, I mean, not that you want to stare right at the sun, but yes, <laughs> like, I hear it still burns your eyes. But um, and the air quality is just not that good. And all the forests in California are closed. So it's like, we're, cause we're still mostly shut down here. Things are very slowly beginning to reopen. I think today might be like the first day studios can reopen, but it's still at a very low capacity. Um, restaurants are still closed or open for outdoor dining only, salons, everything's still shut down. And now they closed all the forests again, too. Wow. <laughs> yeah. I hear you. You're like, well, what where, what can I do right now? Like, what, where, where, you know, yeah, for entertainment perspective, you know, it gets, it's been a long, it's been a long haul. Do you feel that way? Yeah, I, I am feeling it. And I'm 
Yeah, missing community. We're social beings by nature. And yeah. um, I'm even on the introverted side, uh, but I'm really missing human interaction. I, you know, Zoom's nice. Yeah. It is nice, but it's not the same. I hear you. Um, you made mention that the yoga studios really haven't, um, like maybe today is the first day that some studios can open. Are you finding that some are choosing to not open? Are some of them? I don't actually think any of them. I think now they're actually like allowed to open by the state. But again, I think it's maybe at 25% capacity uh, or something. I've yeah. only, I only know of one that's actually a Pilates studio that's actually going ahead and, and doing it. So I'm not. Yeah. I'm not super positive what yeah. they're doing, but it's been a long time now. Do you think that it's a requirement that you have a face mask on while you're practicing? No, I think the teachers have to, mm. but I don't think the people who are exercising. Yeah. Because I think there's, I think that there's something about that in the, the law right now is that if you're exercising, you don't have to wear a mask. Gotcha. We have a county by county different thing going over over here in Florida where in Miami-Dade and Fort Lauderdale, um, they do have to wear face mask while exercising. So I guess even if you go into a gym and you get on a treadmill, you need to have one on. But whereas we're in the county just above and in a fit in a gym or fitness center, you you don't have to have a face mask on, which... It's kind of hard. I don't know if you've tried it, but it's not so easy to um, to huff away in there. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I have not tried. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so our listeners are familiar. You are an Ashtanga yoga practitioner and teacher. Um, can you give, I mean, I love watching your social media. I feel like everything you do on the social media is really fun and you kind of keep it really lighthearted and entertaining. And I saw a post that you did where you're doing Durvashasana, which is a pose where you put one leg behind the head, you stand up on the other leg, and then you were leaning against the wall and you had made mention about getting creative with ways to do self-assist. And I, I loved it. It was a great post. And can you give us any insight into some things that maybe you've gotten creative with over the past couple of months in your yoga practice? Yeah, sure. I can try to. <laughs> um, well, because I think for people who practice, that's one of the things that we're missing is adjustments. And I am actually... Not a huge proponent of adjustments. I think that as a practitioner, they can be super beneficial, of course. But I think that also, obviously, I think there's more and more knowledge around over-adjusting right now and how bad that can injure a student. But I also think that um, when a student's getting adjusted a lot, uh, maybe the student's not doing enough of their own work in the hospital. Yeah. Um, and I think as a teacher, one of the things that I really want, and, and really one of the things that the Ashtanga practice encourages is being self-sufficient in practice, right? Like that's why we memorize the sequence yeah. so that you can take it off the mat and do it yourself. And I think that along those lines, learning how to adjust yourself can be really beneficial also, um, yeah, as much as possible, right? Like, it's not quite the same. So, yep. I like that Durbhavasana one where I can use the wall to help me stand out more. I really also like, this is another third series posture, um, uh, Vashisthasana, 
mm. the second posture of third series. I know like people call those two different yes. things, but I'm talking yeah. about the second posture of third mm. series with the, um, I like to do it with the hand on a block ah. and the leg extended, pushing into the wall just a little bit, just so you can get a lot of resistance in the posture. Yeah. And I think that really helps to like wake up the pose. Yeah. Um, I have pulled out some old gymnastics mats during quarantine and used those for drop backs and um, also for a shoulder stand pad and um, for working on TikToks, the yes. handstand dropovers. Um, so that's been helpful. But I think probably more than anything else, I like the wall because using the wall just a tiny amount for so many different poses gives yeah. the a lot of feedback to the body and just kind of has this energetic, the body sort of has this energetic response Yeah, from it. That's cool. And then some of the other things, yeah, so that you think, I've always liked props a lot. I, I teach with them. I think it makes um, adjusting a lot easier when you're a teacher if you let your students use props. Um, but, and I think it, like, again, I, I think using props can help make the student more self-sufficient too. So I've been using um, more props in my practice now that I'm practicing. Yeah. At home every day. Yes. My my dad came up with one for the second series, um, Supta Vajrasana, where you have the legs in lotus and your arms wrapped behind and someone will come and sit and hold your legs down. So he um, de- developed um, two suction cup handles, suction cupped down onto the floor on either side of the legs with a yoga strap kind of woven between the two so you could wedge your knees under and you know still go up and down and not have to have anybody actually touch you. And um, I don't know, it's, awesome. it's kind of fun. Yeah, I, 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 it's kind of fun to get creative with this right now. And uh, I, I, well, it is because oh, I'm well, even because even as we move back into studios, I don't think we're going to be seeing that same level of intimate adjustment. Yeah. That especially in a posture like two different drops in where you're you know face to face. Yeah. I agree. I mean, we, we are able here to hold in-person classes and we have really small size classes where, you know, and, and we're not doing any assists at all. And I've had students say, you know, oh, I really just want you to start doing that. And I've, I've had to just kind of say, I just don't feel comfortable yet because I think if we can somehow try to integrate back into learning or practicing near each other in the same room together, that maybe this is a happy medium where we don't push the edge too hard right away. <laughs> well, and I think that makes a, a lot of sense. And thing, you know, it goes along with those points that I just made, like it makes the student more self-sufficient. It's actually, it's teaching yoga hard on the teacher's body. Yeah. It, it, I mean, maybe you're, I know I feel... Um, overall a little bit better not doing adjustments right now. Yeah. That's a, in my own, in my own body. I agree. I, mean, I, I miss it. Like I, you know, yeah. teaching with your hands is effective. Yeah. It, it is effective, but um, it's also really hard on the teacher's body. It's a lot of lifting. I, I remember uh, Tim would make jokes sometimes like we get ready. We're going in for some heavy lifting here. You know, you're getting ready when you're going ready to go teach. You know, you're almost like a, a stonemason, so to speak, where you're lifting heavy stones and <laughs> moving things around and working and using your back. And I hear you. It's it's it can be hard work. It can be hard work. Right. Uh, but I think that 
I mean, it's so amazing and awesome that you guys are back in the studio together. And I know you mentioned that you're doing Zoom classes also. And I think that one of the real takeaways from all of this um, practicing over Zoom and no hands-on adjustments can hopefully be the importance and the effectiveness of verbal cueing. Mm. And because, because it's, it's, cueing is super effective, um, but it's certainly more effective for certain students than others, right? Like a student has to be, have some sense of proprioception to really be able to make a cue work for them. Yes. Um, but they can be really effective if the teacher also is able to offer clear direction. That's true. Yes. Which can be, uh, I mean, that can be tricky as well. Um, and, you know, sometimes it's easier just to help somebody feel the posture with your hands. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and you're obviously teaching classes on Zoom. Just a little bit. Okay. Uh, uh-huh. But I, I teach, yeah, I've been teaching a couple. How have you, you know, were you excited about it at first? Were you hesitant at first? Did you, are you finding any sort of um, learning curve that's evolving? Well, this you might find interesting. So I um, lived in D.C. for years, taught in D.C. for years, had a mentor program there. and um, But I had wanted to live on the West Coast for quite a, a long time. It mm. You know, Tim was out here. I loved the community. I spent a lot of time here. I like, I like it here. It's nice. Yeah. Uh, and also, DC has a real, at least in my opinion, northeast vibe where it's, um, you know, people move to DC typically for careers, not to be, not and not like a yoga teacher. Yeah. Career. I hear politics, you. or they want to change the world, or whatever. Um, and. It was always, uh, I, I always kind of felt like I didn't fit in great there. Um, but I was doing so well as a yoga teacher there. And I had students who I loved and students who I've been working with for, you know, 12, 13 years. And um, it, it was a really great opportunity for me to develop as a teacher. But I, I did really want to live here mm. in um, Southern California. So... I actually, over the last couple of years, have only been teaching about one or two weeks um, classes a week in person. Gotcha. So I had actually started teaching um, programs online a few years ago. Uh-huh. I, I guess it's been about uh, almost three years. So I was in the very fortunate position when COVID hit that I didn't have to scramble. I was um, already set up for online teaching. Um, nice. So I'm... Yeah, I mean, so I, I've been doing it. I have been teaching two classes a week in person, um, so I miss. I do miss that person-to-person contact. Yes. But um, it was. Uh, but it was. I was really fortunate because I never felt that. Like oh, crap! I yeah, I've. I've never touched this. How? Where do I even start? You kind of had the the ball rolling. That's cool. I, I knew what. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so it, I. I was really, um, I was well prepared 
in that sense. Yeah. I mean, as much as you can prepare for a pandemic. <laughs> yeah, yeah, good point. Yeah, definitely, uh, definitely didn't see this one coming. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, but, but this has gone on way longer than I had thought it would, and I'm, you know, I, I mean, I am really missing seeing. I hear you. I know. I know. I know. I I really um, feel like the. I remember when we first heard that we were going to be forced to close. I I thought, well, you know, it'll be like two weeks. You know, it'll be like a two week window, and and we're like six months kind of down the track here. Um, and then you know, I talked to people that you know just recently the other day that said, you know, settle in because it's it, this this is going to be a little while. What, what what are your thoughts there? Do you? I know we're not trying to look for a prediction, but do you find yourself creating um, almost like mental notes that maybe I should plan for a longer haul than than I expected? Uh, what are your feelings there? I'm definitely feeling like it's going to be a while longer. So. Yeah. Yeah. I hope that we can get back into the studio in some capacity, yeah. um, maybe at the beginning of next year. I think it's going to, I don't know that where it's going to happen this year in, in yeah. California. Yeah. Um, so I hope for sure next year it'll be um, picking up. But I mean, I know I don't need to tell you this, but teaching, having a studio is, you know, it's a lot of work and it, it's expensive and it's, Classes are only filling up to 25%. If you can only have 25% capacity in there, then that does present this real problem of how is everyone going to stay afloat? I mean, you can't only be earning 25% of what yes. you yep. earn. Yep. So I am definitely preparing to continue teaching online yep. um, for the foreseeable future. I, I hope that we can add some in-person teaching mm-hmm. into that equation also, but I'm not, I mean, I am, I'm going to be prepared to do yeah. it both ways. I hear you. Um, I saw you post recently about teaching beginners and, and that you were, you know, really kind of encouraging beginners to take the leap and also I get the feeling that you were making it accessible for them. And a lot of times I think people maybe look at Ashtanga and they think, you know, that's, that's for people who are really fit and, and ready for it. So um, how do you, do you garnish a lot of joy out of teaching brand newbies? Uh, wh- where are you with your kind of um, uh, making Ashtanga accessible for everyone? Oh, okay. I love this. And I have, probably a long winded answer. Please so go for I'm it. I'm going to have to stay on. But, um, yes, I ran or am in the middle of this intro to my sort program. And I, this was super deliberate. And I'll tell you a couple of my reasons for offering this course. I mean, the first one, Todd, is, I mean, looking at this bigger picture of COVID and the high rent that studios often are paying and now the low attendance that is mandatory to have, you know, basically low attendance, mm. um, you know, not, I mean, like if you can only open to 25% capacity, one of my real concerns is, is who is going to survive COVID in terms of yoga studios? Like, is it only going to be core power and other big ones with corporate backings and deeper pockets? Because then 
how are people going to find their sangha is, and I know that people still will. Yeah. And I'm hoping that all my friends have studios and all the little micro programs pocketed around the country and the sangha shalas and even, you know, the lead primary that, uh, more of a flow style studio offers. I, I hope that these all survive, but I mean, one of, one of my concerns is, well, what if after all this, we're down to like, you know, the big corporate ones that are power yes. yoga and, not going to be introducing people to the practice of Ashtanga yoga. Um, so that was one of the reasons why I wanted to offer this. Yeah. My tour course online. I mean, I yeah. want people to keep finding the practice because it changed my life so much. I mean, I, yeah. Yeah. I, I love yoga, but I really do love Ashtanga as a practice. I think it makes a lot of sense. But the bar for entry is kind of high in Ashtanga. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I'm hoping to kind of change the way we see that and change the framework around that. Mm. Because it, I don't think it necessarily has to be, but if it's approached with a dogmatic lens, then, you know, I mean, if think of the, you know, some of the rules. Like, yeah. you practice five or six days a week. I mean, right there, that's a big time yeah. um, and it, certainly there's a lot of um, stereotypes that it's for fitter people or younger people or thinner people or that it hurts people and I don't think any of those have to be true but it has to be approached intelligently Yes, because if we approach it like it's one size fits all which it's not then, then people will get hurt or they will feel that they're too tight to do it or they're too tall or yes, whatever so it really has to be about adopting or adapting the posture for the person mm. and not trying to adopt adapt the person to the posture. Yes. Nice. And so I think, you know, to make it accessible, I think you have to, you know, you mentioned that I have like the kind of silly videos, but I think to make it accessible, you have to make it less scary. I agree. Right? And like, yes. it, it can be fun yes. and I have fun with it and I do make silly videos and, you know, I think that's I think that's really needed. I saw the one that you did on TikTok where you were like doing drop backs and you said first series, second series, third series, like you're making this crazy funny <laughs> face and I just started cracking up and I thought that's kind of what we yeah. need right now is a little bit of humor around it and just keep it in that lighthearted, happy zone versus a kind of um the opposite. Yeah. I mean it's you know, it, sure, like sometimes it's hard. Um, and sometimes it doesn't feel great and, you know, sometimes it might feel boring or whatever, but hopefully you can find joy in it Mm. and make it, make it fun and don't get too, you know, if you get too attached to the results or if you get too, um, hung up on any type of, you know, any type of perfection around it, then, then it can start to feel really heavy. Yeah. And I think yoga should make us feel lighter. Yes. And I think really like it's about the process. And one of the things that uh, Tim has said is it's called practice, not perfect. Mm. And we lose sight of that because, you know, we're on our devices, we're on social media, we see these polished Instagram feeds and beautiful postures and professionally you know, professional photos, and that's really one-dimensional. That is only showing you the outside. Yeah. 
And, you know, yoga is an internal process. It's an internal practice. So it's really much more about how you feel than what you look like. But even that person with the amazing photos has messy days. I mean, probably way more messy days than what you would ever know. And so you can't. Yeah. I, I just hope that that doesn't turn people off from even trying. Yeah, that's a that's a good point. I think that's something that we have to um, really look at for sure because we, it's easy for us to want to be down on like certain magazines where we say all they're doing is encouraging people like to look like models just in the normal day to day, like just going out to dinner or whatever. Like you know, you should look like this. And but within the yoga world, we're getting that same sort of imprinting going on, and it's almost like we're encouraged to to go that route due to the you know the the fame factor, but I, to go back to what you were mentioning about the, the corporate yoga center versus the mom and pop yoga center, I did just read an article on uh, September 11th that all of the yoga works locations, 50 plus um, locations around the country have all closed, er, they've closed every single door. You know, I, I saw like some post mentioning something about that on, um, I think on Facebook and I tried to find an article. I, I Googled it after trying to find something and I didn't see anything right away. And then I forgot to keep looking. Yeah. Um, so they're closing everything. Wow. I had, I had a similar situation where I had heard that and I thought, well, let me see if that's actually true. And I looked for articles and, and there was just the ones that were saying that they did that in New York city, which I'd heard quite a while ago, but then I went to that's the, exactly what I saw. Yeah. I went to the Yoga Works website and, and their, their homepage is what clarified that for me. And I, it wasn't, uh, clear as if it was a a closing for good, but um, I don't know. I have no idea how they work or operate, but just the fact that, you know, I was just thinking of all those yoga teachers that are, were, were making a living that way and maybe even getting insurance and, and all that sort of stuff. Like, um, ooh, this is, this is rough. This is a little rough. But I do agree what you're saying too about the Ashtanga because it's mostly the mom and pops that are keeping the tradition going, so to speak. And and you're right. So I think though out of the ashes and no pun intended with, with, with the fires right now, but some sort of Phoenix is going to come out of this. Like, you know, we could, there could be, can be a rebuilding process that might start from the ground back up again. Which, which is where I think what you're mentioning, like keeping portals or avenues for the newbie to get excited and, and be welcomed, so to speak, as opposed to intimidate is going to be critical. Yeah. And I, I do think you're right on all those things. Like, well, yeah, keeping new people coming to the practice, of course, plus it's really magical. Like, you know, like the first time someone takes a class or you know, starts the practice and it's kind of like, whoa, what is this? And I mean, that's such a rewarding thing to share as a teacher. Mm. Um, really one of my favorites. Yes. Um, but aside from that, to what you were saying, I think that, you know, yoga will survive. Ashtanga will survive. Mm. Um, I think you know, maybe a lot of studios will close and you know, maybe not everyone will get to keep teaching yoga. It really might out who mm. is teaching because mm. I think anyone who's doing this right now, you have to put yourself out there in a way that not many yoga teachers signed up for. Yeah. 
Yeah. And that might feel uncomfortable being on video or um, it's certainly scary, right? Like yes. seeing, I mean, first of all, like some of your core students now have access to any other teacher in the mm-hmm. world, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, or and the whole it's there's so many unknowns and so many things that are unfamiliar right now and uh, not knowing when you're going to teach in person again not knowing if you know operating or differently through zoom or you know and some other platform whatever it is yes so there's a lot of uncertainty around it so i think any yoga teacher who's, who's doing this really wants mm. to be mm. doing yeah um you know, wants to share their message, wants to be a teacher. Good point, Jen. Not just, yeah, you know, not just because they thought it it's a cool thing to do, or not just because they love yoga. Which, you know, that's part of it. Like, you don't want a teacher who doesn't love yoga. But, um, you know, like the yoga teacher industry is. I knew you've been doing this for a long time. Like, it's changed yeah, a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It has. It's evolved and and presented different challenges for sure over the years. Are how has being sort of isolated in practicing evolved your practice in terms of your appreciation for it? One thing that I've noticed personally is that, I mean, I really love yoga and I've always loved it, but lately I've been feeling like I love it more than I ever did before. Like I have this feeling of like, oh my goodness, if I, I don't know what, I just can't imagine not having something consistent in my life. Like it's been the most consistent yeah. thing in a lot of uncons- inconsistent sort of, uh, <clears throat> experiences. How, what have you noticed there? <laughs> well, I mean, super similar to that. Um, with all this time that has been spent at home, having something to do, you know, 90 minutes, two hours every morning, Mm-hmm has been a lifesaver. Like it's given me a sense of routine, it's given me a structure so that I'm still getting up there. I mean, I'm not commuting anymore, so not quite as early, but you know, I'm still up early. I'm still, um, you know, it, it sets the tone for the yeah. day and it, it yeah. does help manage my time so that I'm not spending the entire day at the computer or and certainly not the entire day yeah. boring. I mean, it does give me a sense of purpose. Yeah. And I think that um, it's been a really good opportunity to to appreciate that yoga is an internal practice. I mean, practicing in the shell is awesome. Um, and, you know, there's that energy to it. Mm. But really, it, it is ultimately your practice and mm-hmm. taking ownership of that by practicing at home, I think is a great thing. Um, and I think it can, you know, you know the, the big yoga sales cat, cat pitch, like yoga is a metaphor for life, but we even see that now. It's like, well, what else are you going to do? Like you've got to keep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think that's kind of something that shows up for me on, in my practice on the mat a lot. It's like, well, got to keep uh, going. I and mean, there's not really... Good point. Anything else to do? Um, <laughs> right? Like, gosh, at least I have some seriously good entertainment. <laughs> it doesn't require any electricity, apart from if we are interacting via, you know, obviously computer or Zoom, right. you know, but 
from the from the personal side of it um that's what i always find whenever we get a hurricane over here in florida and all the electricity goes out we would still show up and just light candles in the room and you know there'd be we wouldn't have any need for air or heat and any need for lights or anything and and um, we'd have boards up on the windows out the front and it'd be really dark in here and and um uh it's it's kind of cool in that respect that you can keep that overall vibe going without all of the technology although i know it's a bit of a catch-22 because you and i are utilizing technology right now to to converse but i think we get the gist yeah yeah Uh, you don't need it that's right awesome jen i um you know i'm i'm curious uh you well i i got a chance to train with you and practice with you um at Tim Miller studio when he was in Carlsbad and, um, you really inspired me. And like you, I, I, mostly along the lines of the fact that your practice is amazing in terms of what you can do, but also I felt like you kept a really lighthearted vibe when things felt really challenging and, and, um, maybe difficult. And, uh, over the years I've kind of had a, a couple of little blowouts with different aches and pains and challenges. Um, what have you implemented or like, can you give us any sort of, uh, insight into how you're able to keep doing what you do, like a a pretty solid, strong practice and, and navigate that territory? Yeah, that's, uh, um, I'd be happy to answer that. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) <laughs> Let me think about this for a second. All right. <laughs> <laughs> you, the, the thing is, is that if you're going to be doing an Ashtanga practice for the, the long haul, which is, in my mind, like the real goal, right? Like, I don't even know that you get past that beginner phase until after a decade of practice. Mm-hmm. And... So you you want to be looking at your practice in terms of decades because I, I do think, you know, after 10 years, you're basically just not a beginner anymore. And, and that can be intimidating too, right? Like that's the type of thing that probably makes all those new students want to run away. Like I'm going to be a beginner for 10 years. Uh-huh. But, but so much of the knowledge is in the practice and it's in the experience of practicing. And it's only after a long time that you get all those highs and lows. Mm-hmm. Um you know, like there's, you know, for a, for a while it might kind of seem linear and you're progressing and, and then, but it's going to throw loose and, you know, there's going to be times when you feel like you're going back to the start. And there's actually going to be times with injuries, Todd, that you basically do have to go back to the start and relearn everything mm-hmm. with this new information and intelligence around an injury. And, and it takes this serious repatterning. And, but it's actually, it is hugely beneficial because, um, you know, anytime that you're presented with an injury, it's challenging yeah. and it's not fun. It yeah. really makes you feel crappy and uninspired practice. It also puts a ton of fear in you mm-hmm. uh, if you're scared you're going to hurt it again or it actually is just actively hurting. Um, and those are really good opportunities to change that we might ignore mm-hmm. otherwise. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that it's you know, if you're thinking of like, again, practicing for decades, then 
um, you have to expect that that's going to happen at some point, even though, you know, it'd be nice to, it might not happen for a long time. I mean, it'd be nice to think it's never going to happen, but I don't think many people get through it without that happening. Yeah. Um, kind of to that whole, like, do your practice and all is coming type. Yeah. Like it's all it's gonna come. Like there's gonna be highs and lows and interruptions. Like of yeah. course there's going to be interruptions to your human first. Um so for me personally I just I really I and this is an effort, like an ongoing effort. I try not to put too much pressure on myself. And there's days when I'm hugely disappointed with the way I practice. Mm. Um because I'm trying super hard and nothing happening. There are days when I get on my mat and I, you know, I start going and then I decide like, again, it's not really happening. And I decide not to try really hard. Like, you know, maybe I just cut it short or I, you know, I do, I go through standing or I do a longer seated practice or whatever. It's not necessarily any series in its, um, in its entirety. And it's it's hard, and I think it's just always going to be there. Like it, you, Ashtanga is set up in a way with the repetition of the postures and and even the series, um, where you know, you're given it, it encourages the repetition in the practice and in, in terms of like, you know, doing the same thing every day or like doing the same series every week or whatever. Mm. It encourages, encourages the student to be self-sufficient, but also because we are kind of doing, you know, the same thing. And I know like anyone who practices will tell you it never feels the same. Mm, you might even try to recreate it and it never, you can't even make it the same when you try. Right. But it shows us that we are what changes. Mm. Yeah. Our bodies were changing, our minds were changing. It's not the posture that's changing, it, it's us. And I think that like that's just one of the greatest lessons of yoga is that lesson of impermanence. Like mm. it's going to change. Right. Um and I, I think the more accepting you can become of that, the more accepting that you of yourself that you can be, the more compassionate. Um mm. and it's hard for a lot of people to be compassionate to yourself. I know as a teacher I find it really easy to be compassionate to my students and then I turn around and I look at myself and I judge myself in a way that I would never do to mm, them. That's a good point. Um, so extending that same compassion to myself and, you know, every day you have a chance to try again. So if it doesn't work out well, um, you get back from the mat and you try it again. And I've had some pretty bad injuries. I mean, I had like a whole year when I really didn't practice much um or at all for part of it because of pain in my joints um mm. and it you know, it's discouraging and hard but it, and it did not feel like this at the time like it, i really was just i thought i i didn't think i was going to really recover i've been in physical therapy for a long time seeing lots of doctors they just kept prescribing more physical therapy and stuff just get, it kept getting worse um and it wasn't until i found the right doctor that I started to feel better. Yeah. And I, you know, I really like, like, Oh my God, I think I'm done. Like I'm a yoga teacher. I can't even practice right now. Like everything hurts. But, um, you know, even that changed and I didn't think <laughs> yeah. it was going to, yeah. but you know, that, that is the lesson of impermanence. And I do think, 
yeah. our yoga practice really demonstrates that. Yeah, that's a great, that's a great point. I think you're right. That fact that when things are going really great and then someone tells you, well, don't get too excited because it's about to change. And then, well, at least that same uh, advice applies to like what you said. It, it's really rough. It's really tough, but that, that can't stay that way forever. It has to shift. Yeah. That's cool. I always, uh, yeah. it's such an amazing process. So I, I, I really love the opportunity to talk with other people that are kind of engaged in it and still finding that, that joy and that excitement about it, even amongst all of these like little vicissitudes of <laughs> that come yeah. up, that no, come around. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and, you, and that's, I think it's key. It's like finding the joy, finding the excitement and approaching it every day with as much enthusiasm as you can. And at least like giving it a shot and it's not happening, whatever, you know, you don't have to ever force anything, but, um, but you know, being excited to get on your mat. I agree. You know, that, that makes me think I have to ask you, um, you know, practicing pranayama with Tim back in the day, um, was, was a real life changing experience for me. Um, so challenging, like such a incredibly challenging and, and rewarding. And, um, and in similarly with like doing breath retentions and obviously if we do like a three second retention, it's really quite easy. But if you get into that longer element, um, what was your experience with that? Did you, did you enjoy that part of it? Is that something that you integrate into your practice much or is it something that you found like, like suffocation class? <laughs> the, the full pranayama sequence with him is quite difficult. <laughs> I would be like the person sneaking in breath and cheating. Yes. Through. Yes. Um, but I think that if we really want the, um, you know, yoga practice to be a conveyor belt to samadhi, then you have to do more than asana. Like you can't just, you know, do this physical stuff and think that it's going to get you any, well, you know, it changes things like it yeah. works, but yeah. it's not enough. Um, so I think if you really want to, you know, unpack the eight limbs and as a conveyor belt, that'll take you through the spiritual process and um, then doing pranayama is an important element of it. Um, for me personally, I never do the full sequence that, mm, mm. that or the, that the Ashtanga system Yep. I haven't done that since sitting in the pranayama circle. Um, and part of that's just the time constraint. You know, I have a serious seated meditation practice. I uh -huh, do uh -huh. chanting classes once a week. I teach, I teach like that. Yep. That turn, that's a lot of time practicing. And, and <laughs> yeah. that pranayama takes like another 45, 50 minutes. So yes. to do that every day um, just doesn't work in my life right now and I'm not I don't want to enforce any, anything yeah. like that like you know that yeah. might shift later on where I'm yeah. feeling more into doing it um, I hear you but for now I do like a light version yes and that's and cool that, because yeah I mean party ammo with him 
<laughs> right? I mean, yeah. I, I, the, the retention, the <laughs> hard. Oh, yes. Hard. Yeah, that's why I had to bring it up because I've, I haven't had a chance to converse with many of other Tim students yet on the podcast. And I just wanted to kind of document the fact that those are some pretty serious sessions. <laughs> pretty serious sessions for sure. Um, yes. Yeah. And I think that that was like kind of one of the real challenges with it is trying to keep up with Tim's breath. Yeah. yeah because, you know, going to a lead Pranayama circle is like going to a lead class. It's it's different. It feels yeah. yes. harder. Like you're following yes. somebody else's breath, not your own breath. And um, yeah, so Tim's... Uh, Coming <laughs> circle was never easy. <laughs> never easy. Definitely taken to that that spot where you're just like, oh wow, this is. I just thought yoga would maybe get easier over the years, but <laughs> but no. But no. <laughs> That's awesome, Jim. Well, man, I I uh, I want to make it possible for people to. Um, find you and get in touch with you. And I know at the beginning of the podcast, I mentioned everybody to find you on your website at jenrenee.com and, and to check you out on Instagram as well. But um, can you mention, I know you uh, had, had talked a little bit about starting up a program um, that people can access via online. Can you just give me an idea of, of what you're putting together? Sure. Well, coming up in October, I have a just a five day challenge. It's it's free. It's five days of live streams, um, short ones, probably like fifteen minutes each. Um, and so everyone's invited to join that. I am going to get that up on my website soon. I don't think it's there yet, but I'll um, I'll send you a link for that. And then I have a teacher development program that I'm running um, in mid October. Uh, this is the second time I've done this and it's, you know, geared for, uh, serious practitioners and, and teachers and, and people who want a deeper understanding of kind of the harder stuff in yoga or the stuff that you don't see so much of. So it'll teach adjustments, but it's also going to be, um, you know, the kind of the stuff that people are afraid of a little bit, um, the deeper pieces. And that also, it, it, that will also include, you know, more confidence in teaching. Nice. Awesome. Those are the things that I've come up with. Yeah. Yeah. So um, thank you so much for having me. I, I'm so thankful for you to take some time out. I know we took we started to organize this a while back ago, and so I was really looking forward to having the chance to reconnect with you and um, feel thankful for technology that even though we're, you know, kind of far away, but we can still get a chance to share ideas and get some inspiration. And um, I really appreciate it, Jen. It's it's really a, a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. Awesome. Well, I'm going to put those links in there and anyone who's listening can um, kind of check you out. And I still really highly recommend everyone follow you on Instagram just to kind of keep <laughs> some, get some good hearted, uh, Good vibes on their feed. <laughs> All right, Todd. Thank you so much. Awesome, Jen. Take care. We'll catch up soon. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode of Native Yoga Toddcast. We really appreciate it and we hope you enjoyed. Remember that if you'd like to learn more about upcoming classes, workshops, teacher trainings, and our online yoga studio, 
all of which you can access at nativeyogacenter.com. Your support is greatly appreciated. Have a wonderful day.